Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I am one of the co-hosts here. We are here from Browncroft Community Church, and we respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. Aaron, we've been on a summer break. This is our first podcast back. I know. It's great to be back. Happy, happy September. Happy September. And um, it's like riding a bike, isn't it? <laughs> get back on the bike again and... Yeah, it's good. We get to we get to tag team again here. Awesome. Well, we're starting a brand new series. It's called Why Do I Still Follow Jesus? So instead of doing seven or eight different questions, we're actually going to focus on one question and each of our guests is going to be giving their unique response to this question. And so there's some powerful stories about faith. Uh, you're going to learn there's some practical aspects to it. And just before I introduce our guest, I would just put the discretion out there um this podcast it has a very uh deep and traumatic story um and so i just encourage you to use your discretion if there's little ears there we want our guests to feel free to share his powerful story from there but mark goodman is uh from atlanta georgia area he comes to us he's part of the 70 times 7 organization which is about forgiveness and uh, just has a powerful story, but I'll let him introduce himself. But Aaron, any other thoughts before we throw it to Mark? No, well, uh, Peter, thanks so much. I'm excited about the new series we're kicking off here. I think there'll be some good stories uh, to think about, stories of life change in Jesus. And, um, but uh, in particular about today's conversation regarding forgiveness, I think it's an important topic, one that I think everybody in one way or another to one level or another has had to wrestle with. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the conversation ahead. So I know that uh, you both have talked a bit already, um, you know, and in uh, leading up to this podcast, but we haven't really talked much. So it's really good to meet you. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. And um, yeah, we'd just love to hear some more of your story and, um, you know, certainly how you got to the building the organization that you did, but I know there's a lot of story that led up to that. So maybe we can, I don't know, Peter, do you want to, I, I, know, I know there's a big story there, but do you, do you want to start with like a taste of it or how do you want to do this? Yeah, let's, uh, Mark, why don't you just give us the brief intro uh, of yourself and then we'll dive into your story. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. I want to thank you very much, uh, Peter, Aaron. You guys are absolutely awesome. And I want to appeal to any of you that are listening, that you have friends, family members, neighbors that are struggling, why do I follow Jesus uh, and or struggling with how do I forgive and why should I forgive at times uh, to share this uh, with those people? Mm. Look, you know, we all understand the wounds of unforgiveness. We don't make it through um, adult little childhood, let alone as an adult without those wounds that can affect and infect all your relationships. Uh, and it can be tough, whether it be, you know, divorce, significant other hurt issues from childhood. Um, a lot of people don't realize that one in six men have been sexually abused some point in their life. A uh, business partner may have ripped you off. An employer did you wrong. There's alcohol, drugs. God knows we can't w- turn on the TV or social media without politics, race, sexual identity. Uh, maybe the church did you wrong. So, yes, um, our organization, 70 times 7, that's 70x7.org, is founded to help people with that wounds of unforgiveness. Or as I love Dr. Everett Worthington says, the Bible tells us to forgive. It just doesn't tell us how. Mm. So 
To start off, I'd just love to share why I feel so passionate about this subject. Is Free story is uh, the speed version. As a teenager, I lived homeless on the streets of L.A., eating out of dumpsters and soup lines. Uh, for about a year, I've got great memories of it, as strange as that sounds, because it was better. It was a step up from what I grew up in Detroit, in a family with uh, mom, dad, and three older brothers, with a father that was abusive. And any of you that have had an abusive father, you get it. Sometimes we look at Jesus. William P. Young says it took him 50 years to get the face of his father off the face of Jesus. Mm. Anytime saying, my heavenly father. An abusive father can be tough. But my father would beat my three older brothers till they were almost unconscious with his fists. But he didn't stop there. My dad sexually abused his own boys. So for a little boy to be sexually abused, it's one thing to be done by your father, can you imagine, can leave some pretty deep wounds. And uh, it did. My three older brothers didn't fare as well. My oldest brother passed away a few years ago, just full of anger, still holding on to that backpack, pain, shame, blame. My next oldest brother put up walls around him to the point of schizophrenia, that he lives alone in a special home and apartment in St. Pete, Florida, uh, with the nightmares still at night of the, especially at age 12, the things that my dad was doing to him. And my middle brother, the one who led me to the Lord and taught me business, called me some years back at 4.30 in the morning while on the phone call, took his own life. The wounds of unforgiveness can be powerful. And on his death certificate, it doesn't say unforgiveness, but that's what he died from. So at some point, I get it. Why, who hurt you? What was done wrong to you? You have every right to be angry and upset and hold on to resentment. But at some point, do your shoulders get tired? You say, enough is enough. So here I am. I'm probably one of the happiest guys you've ever met. A beautiful wife, a beautiful life, six gorgeous girls, 13 grandkids. How does that make sense? Make sense of that. Other than the amazing, powerful redemption, grace of God, and the power and the freedom, freedom found in forgiveness. Mm. That's my story. Well, let, let's kind of dive a little deeper um, here. So <clears throat> somebody could hear that story. You did that like in five minutes, and that's like 50 some odd years of life, um, which is crazy. Uh <laughs> So I can imagine a listener or someone saying you had all of that happen. Why do you still follow Jesus? How would you respond to that person? Oh, I love it. I love it. Look, um, let's go back to my dad. My dad at age 65, later in his life, he's no longer with us, sobered up and turned his life over to God. That same monster that should have gone to jail for the rest of his life turned into one of the most wonderful, godly men you ever met. The last 23 years of his life, I'm telling you, Aaron and Peter and listeners, if you met him, you'd be calling baloney on my story. I've spent time with this guy. There's no way that this guy equals that story. And you're right. So why do I follow Jesus? Because I've experienced the most amazing grace 
and power of Jesus that anybody can possibly explain. You're never too old. You've never done too much bad to find God's redemption, grace, and forgiveness. And I'm walking around free from any of that pain and shame and blame. I can openly talk about, yes, at some point I've been sexually abused and I had a bad meal at Chili's in the same sentence. But the chili, oh, you mean that other thing? <laughs> That's great. So it, it, Jesus, the Lord, offers up an incredible possibility to be free from this. So I look at faith. Often people say faith that you're blindly moving forward. My version of my faith is it's based on my experience. I think of it like this, um, you know, the game where you put your hands out and you fall backwards. You mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. First time you do it, nothing about that feels right. Nothing. <laughs> and then you do it again, you do it again a little bit later. Now you do it enough times that it's, hey, watch this. God's got me. Whee! <laughs> so my faith moving forward is based on my experience of trusting the Lord so much and accepting and giving that forgiveness that I follow Jesus because it's awesome. The experience. Now, not everybody has a story as bad as mine. And I meet with people that a lot worse. I wouldn't trade in for a million dollars for their story. But it doesn't matter. Your story, whatever small or big that it may seem, still hurts probably just as much. So why do I follow Jesus? And why do I share so much about my story and forgiveness? Because I want everybody else to experience following Jesus in a way that you can have freedom that is incredible. Well, that's, thank you for sharing that. Um, that's, uh, that's a powerful testimony, uh, powerful story. Uh, so, you know, with your, your organization, you're, you're helping, helping others, um, process through whatever, the, whatever level of the hurt is, like you said to everyone, it's, it's whatever it is, is a powerful wound. But so, you know, you shared with us some pretty heavy hurt and then, um, and then, you know, talked about the other end of that, but what do you, what process do you go through in between there? I mean, I'm sure there's steps. I'm sure there are people who are listening who think, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine that you could even get, ever even think about getting to the step of uh, true forgiveness. I mean, maybe some people might get to a point of like, well, I guess I could sit in the same room with that person if they said sorry enough, but how do you get to that? How do you, how do you get yourself and how do you help other people get to that spot? Look, that's a, that's a great question. And I wish there were, I could write a book, here are the six steps to forgiveness and people have tried, but we're all different. And there's actually a science of forgiveness. Um, there are hundreds and thousands of studies on this subject. Um, and I can actually take the person through an assessment and your path is going to be shorter and different from the other. So it is individual on that particular person. And Jesus never healed the same way twice. Mm -hmm. And likewise, it is for forgiveness. And so what we're doing is for six plus years, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And what I offer up is freedom. If we're going to, uh, we're not inherently wired to want to forgive. Somebody that has hurt you 
your your boss, your fellow employee, your significant other. We're not wired necessarily in our flesh to want to forgive, but we are wired to want to forgive. I mean, sorry, freedom. We are wired for freedom. And so that's the carrot is holding out his freedom. So starts off with just making a decision. So that's the first step, decisional forgiveness, right? Enough is enough. I'm tired of carrying this around. I am going to decide to, to do this. And the, which is great. It's kind of like a, a room in your house. that's just full of garbage. And you say enough is enough. I'm going to go clean it out, mm-hmm. but you still don't use it. It doesn't. And typically people will still be ruminating. The way I like to say it is, uh, I forgave him a long time ago, but if his house burned down and serve him right, they don't, they don't feel that forgiveness. The next level is emotional forgiveness where I can actually feel it. I reacted. It. It's taking that room and filling it up with good furniture and it feels good to be in there. And that takes work to get from decisional to emotional forgiveness. It does. And then the ultimate is into spiritual forgiveness where it's the remission. It's gone. Now, not only my story, I let just real quick, I love to share a, a, a business person, great man of God and uh, did marathons and triathlons. And in 2017, he was riding his bike. He got in it, shook it off, hit the handlebars, fell off. And he was a quadriplegic ever since. And to meet the man and hear him speak, he literally, thank you, Lord. Why do you trust me to give this to me instead of somebody else? to see what I would do with this. Thank you, Lord. And I, likewise, literally, I'm thankful for the abuse that I went through because that got me where I'm at today. So that is a level of forgiveness. So decisional, make a decision. I'll applaud all day long if you only get that part. Trust me. But to move to where you can feel it, stop ruminating, fantastic. But to get to where it's the remission is literally, thank you, Lord, because that's what got me to here to where I'm at today. That's the ultimate. So, so we I, walk them through those steps. Oh, yeah. I I love the way. <laughs> so we had kind of a, had a pre-conversation and Mark, uh, you and me are kind of of the same spirit. Like, let's just go at it. And Aaron keeps us kind of focused. <laughs> I'm going to mess everything up. But I, Good. I think so. I love this kind of dichotomy of your story, but also the practical steps. I think that the, this is becoming a great episode, but where I want to kind of come back to is, I mean, you're married, you have six kids, like you worked, uh, I don't know, you did production at a church, like, so I could imagine, I mean, walk us through that whole timeline because, you know, if I met Mark 20 years ago, um, you know, and he's just kind of getting on his journey, I'd have no idea that you've been through what you've been through. How did you manage and kind of wrestle with this tension of my story? uh, It's terrible. I've come to know Jesus. Like, I guess I'm trying to like, take us back to when you came to follow Jesus and then how there had to be like a competing force or the tension of I'm dealing with this huge hurt and now I'm like entrusting my life to Jesus. How do I live life? That's a long journey and it's a tough journey. And I didn't have somebody or an organization to guide me. Mm. So it was a long road. Look, I've turned this into a book called Forgiving a Good Man. It's almost like in a double entendre, last name Goodman, and my dad's last name Goodman, 
and he became a good man. So how do we forgiving a good man? This book comes out this winter. It's a movie production studio has already picked up and it's being turned into a feature film. Uh, so it goes into greater detail. Uh, look, I came to know the Lord at age 15 and um, getting away, we would escape from the house every chance we could. So every summer we'd get away. And with my brother, the one who took his own life, uh, was during the hippie movement of Jesus. I came to know the Lord. And in some way, that big hole helped me to find Jesus because I found the father that I didn't have. Now, I ended up getting away from the Lord. But most of my life, um, I kept so much of this quiet. I wore a mask like so many people do. And in, I'm going to jump forward to 2014, involved in multiple different small groups, getting in circles instead of rows, as we like to say in the Christian community. And I've been in them before. This, this new one, the first guy up to tell his story, and he told everything. I mean, everything. And I was blown away. My next two weeks, it was going to be my turn. For those two weeks, I could, I was consumed by it, thinking about it, praying about it. Am I going to give that same basic story like a reporter gives a story, or am I going to tell what really happened and how I really feel? I didn't want my wife to hear it for the first time in somebody else's living. So I pulled my wife into the kitchen and said, honey, you better sit down. There's stuff that happened to me and how I feel that I've never shared with anybody, including you. And it all came out and that mask came off and it felt awful and it felt great <laughs> at the same time. And that once that mask came off, uh, the freedom that came about it, and I've not stopped sharing the story since and the difference that it made in so many people's lives. But more importantly, in my life and my relationships, not just with my wife and my children and for my friends, but my relationship with the Lord. It's though I was hiding from the Lord. And so as I followed Jesus, my relationship with the Lord absolutely became so much closer once I allowed, it's not as exactly like the Lord did know, the real me to share and have a relationship with the Lord. When you were, yeah, when you were, at, when you were, I'm sorry, what, do you, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I think so many people can relate to, um, they put on a mask, right? Uh, to people, not just people around them, not just to the neighbor and such, but to those that are closest to them. Because uh, if you if you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me, right? And at some point, like um, the Lord t tells us, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in, in him we are the righteousness of God. And so I always tell people is, if you want to know what the righteousness of God looks like, go look in a the mirror. There is the righteousness of God. And to say, yes, I've been through a lot, but I am a whole and I am righteous. And, um, that is awesome. Sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Thank you for sharing that too. Um, I know I, as I was listening to your story, I, I guess I, I wondered when you were processing this, when you shared the story and then you had to, um, you know, you continued to process it. Did you find that you had to be seeking to forgive your father or was there more like did you feel like you had to forgive god too and what what was what was the process you went through there i, I love that thank you and it, um great recognition on that look um when my 
before my dad sobered up, I was working on forgiveness, although I still had not achieved the last part of taking off the mask. And when I found that, got the call that my dad had sobered up and turned his life over the Lord, was actually moving not uh, from Detroit down close to where I was at, was a big shock to say the least. And we went to at least 100 uh, AA meetings with him. And um, I truly forgave him. Years later, I can't tell you exactly when we're watching TV and he put commercials con and he turns off the volume and he turns to me and he says, Hey, Mark, if there's anything I did while you were younger that was bad, I just want to say I'm sorry. Woohoo! That's like, Aaron, I owe you 80 grand. Here's 12 bucks, <laughs> right? It was the whippiest apology you can possibly have. The beauty of it is, is my forgiveness was not subject to that apology. And immediately it's, Dad, I forgave you a long time ago. Turn the volume back up. <laughs> I, and honestly, and there you bring up a good, here's the point, is there's a misconception. We were taught right from the beginning that forgiveness is an exchange. Peter, go tell your brother you're sorry. Okay, so I say I'm sorry, I forgive you, and somehow or another the scales are justice or even. What could my dad ever say or do even the scales of justice. What could he have? And so if my peace, my relationships, my freedom was subject to him doing anything, how crazy that is. In other words, let's reframe this. The very person that hurt you, I'm going to give you the keys to the vehicle that I can no longer be happy. I can no longer be free until you do something. And the very person that victimized me, I'm going to give them the keys of the kingdom. Did you ever stop and think how crazy that is? So there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation takes both sides. Forgiveness only takes one. It's not subject to their apology. It's not subject to anything that they do. It's all on my side that I have control, that I can forgive subject to nothing. As soon as it becomes, but, but, but what if they need, you're missing the point. Reconciliation takes two sides. And that's why even within the church, there's a misconception. Christ died on the cross for us. Yes, forgiveness is part of it. But so that we will be reconciled with the Lord. That me as the offender saying, I was bad. I want relationship. I want to be reconciled. So I achieved forgiveness with my dad before anything happened. But because both sides did work, we reconciled. Does that make sense? Mm. Mm. You know, it, it does. I think I'm wondering, because I think the struggle here is this. Um, I can forgive and forget. I I don't need Christianity to forgive someone. And I, I'm just kind of, you, you know, I think the power of your story and as a pastor is like, again, you're telling a story of 50 years in a sentence and you're passionate about it. I think the one thing that I'd love to help our listeners, cause you probably coach and you deal with people all the time. Like number one, like I can forgive, but I don't want anything ever to do with that person. But then number two, why does Christianity give me freedom when it can be a straitjacket, anyways? If you're coaching someone, how would you uh, engage them and talk to them about that? 
Yeah, look, you, you, you bring up a good point. My brother, my oldest brother, was full of anger. And boundaries are good, right? And you can forgive without having... Uh, sometimes reconciliation is just outright dangerous. Any, any uh, woman who's got an abusive husband can understand that. Just because you forgive doesn't mean you go back into the relationship. Boundaries are good. And so the level of forgiveness, though, is yes, without Christ, I, I've seen it. Uh, people reach certain levels of forgiveness. But keep in mind, when you say forgive and forget, you got to pick one. Because <laughs> I can forget it, and it never goes away. You get one or the other. You don't get both. And in fact, I look at it almost like an accountant would look at it. There's a debt they owe me. And it's usually a debt that can never be paid back. I have a choice. I can keep that on the books or I can write that off. And so if I write that debt off subject to nothing on the other side, I write that debt off. I'm the one that's free. Now, if they do anything, that's new revenue. When my dad apologized to me, it had nothing to do with the previous debt. It was new revenue there. Hey, dad, that's awesome. Great. Turn the volume back up. <laughs> um, so reconciliation is very clear is that whatever happened to you, whatever you're holding on to, you can forgive regardless, even if they're alive. But be cautious about reconciliation because reconciliation does take both sides. And it's very biblical, but for anybody that is experiencing or has experienced this can relate to this, that it's my choice to not carry around that backpack of pain, shame, blame another day and not give them the keys of the kingdom by making it subject to anything that they do. Hmm. Uh, so what to, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious, what do you, as you're working with people and as you're coaching people, um, or, or speaking to people from, from your own story, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. uh, if you're coaching people, what, what do you do with stories of people who, you know, I can imagine there are people who are facing situations where there's not a clear offender, um, and people could be angry mm -hmm. at, uh, I mean, they could be angry at, you know, who knows, they could be angry at their school angry they god. went to they could be angry at their country but yeah and a lot of a lot of times That's people great. get angry at god so what do you do with that when there's not you know when when how is that different how is it the same to do these steps of forgiveness sure it starts off with the desire hope inspiration right uh i start off by affirming that you're a human being and you have every right to, and what happened to you, of course you're angry. I get it. <laughs> you have every right to. Now you have a choice. Um, how does that feel? At some point, are your shoulders getting tired? No. And if you don't want to let it go, if they, you, anybody have a problem, you haven't come see me, okay? I will affirm that you have every right to carry that around. But however, what the Lord and what this ministry is offering is freedom. So first off is a decision is enough enough you've been carrying around this anger long enough or do you want to have some freedom then the next step is walking them through in discovering what was the cause 
And the beautiful, beautiful thing about this transparency breeds transparency by sharing my story. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard the words. I've never told anybody, but, and here it comes. So I appeal to, to any of you that once you go through this is share the story and there's healing in that, in sharing that story. But then is to walk them through the steps is to, you have a choice and that you are going to do an accounting, not forget, let's write it down. And if you remember these three things, okay, a good apology, if you're going to apologize to somebody else, or you're trying to seek forgiveness from somebody else, is what happened, what were the consequences, and what were the long-term effects? What happened, consequence, long-term effects? Hey, Peter, I'm sorry for hitting you with the bat. I'm sorry that broke your arm. And I know that you can't do that golf tournament that you've been waiting for six months to go play. That's on me. What happened to fact, right? So listen, um, when I take an accounting note is, is, Lord, I forgive my dad for those ugly things that he did. I know that it caused all sorts of problems in my life. And I know till the day that I die, as much as my forgiveness, there'll be scars and effects from that to the day that I die. And I forgive all of it. All of it. That's what we walk them through. Mm. Yes. So there's, I'm sorry, just real quick. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Let's not forget there's an accounting in there. Think about just like an accountant. There's a debt. You're forgiving the debt subject to nothing, but it can be ugly to go through. And did I miss anything? When I was forgiving my dad, I, I contacted family members and old friends from childhood. It was amazing how many things that I either blocked out, didn't see or whatever. It turns out it was much uglier than what I remember. Hmm. But if I'm going to forgive, I'm going to have an accounting. So it's the exact opposite of forgive and forget. I need to have an accounting just like your account would say, I want to write that debt off. What debt? How much? $84.16. We've got to have an accounting of what we're writing off. Mm. And it can be tough to do that. But the reward is well worth it. Mm. So here's the deal. Like... <clears throat> If I had never heard your story and just heard your production director at North Point married with six kids, I'd be like, Mark's a great guy. Hope someday he moves to Rochester, <laughs> you know, just, you know, great, great people. But I, I think where I'd like to go back into your story, when you think about mm -hmm. meeting your wife and you think about your six daughters, like if you and me were in church together, like, what do you think would have been telltale signs that a perceptive person would have picked up on? Like, even now, yeah. like, I'm hiding something because I, I think that you you give this story, you wait till 2014 to finally tell your small group, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners, if if you heard everything, would the church even accept me? But I also think about, like, what would have been like if someone walked up to you and saw some sort of sign, what might've changed or what were those signs? Sure. And it, it's amazing. Once you go through this, um, I see the signs a lot <laughs> and 
Um, it's amazing that perception now, and when I look back, it was clear as can be to me now. So it's a number of things. You never really know the real person, mm-hmm. right? How, how are you doing? Great. How's the family? Good. How's work? How about those braves? <laughs> uh, you know, that's the level of which, and then there's the perception of I'm going deep, but I only show you this much just to give the perception that I'm going deep. So how much of it do they really open up when you know that th- you know that there's more down in there and they're, they keep a line right there and nobody's allowed to cross that line. That's one. The other is, especially when it comes to abuse, you'll see overcompensation and withdraw. And some go one way or the other only. Most go back and forth. Overcompensation. That's why so many great actors, comedians, CEOs come from abusive childhood. Because I'm not worthy. And to show, to prove my worth, I overcompensate in so many other areas. So they're high, often be high achievers, and yet they bounce into withdrawal at the same time. And typically hide that withdrawal. And that withdrawal can show up in many different ways. It can show up in depression, video games, um, uh, unsafe uh, things to watch on the Internet, shall we say, um, in so many other bad ways of just withdrawing and then overcompensate and bounce back and forth. So it's, it's a mask. You can only see so much and bouncing between overcompensation and withdrawal. Those are the most likely signs that you'll see. Mm. So uh, this is like a really powerful <laughs> episode, and I guess I guess where where I'd like to kind of land with this because I I just think that this has been this is a lot as an interviewer to kind of process, <laughs> uh, and so I want to be kind of sensitive to our listeners. So you know, before we kind of go into some closing thoughts. Um, here's kind of my like second to last question. So I'm listening to this podcast. I'm tangentially interested in church and I'm hesitant towards Christians because, you know, I'm not sure if I can really share what's really going on. I'm interested in Jesus. What would you say to that person that says the biggest barrier is we'd call it unforgiveness. They might call it hurt what would you say to them about kind of engaging this process and engaging Christianity? Look, we like to break it down into three words, hope, understanding, freedom, hope, understanding, freedom. If as a listener, you are experiencing just the way that Peter described it, I guarantee you that most, I shouldn't say guarantee, most likely you're putting on a mask in front of everybody that I don't need the Lord, I don't need your help, I got this under control. Yet, when the end of the evening comes and you take your mask off and you go to sleep, your mind is still ruminating over those very same hurts. And you know that there's a problem, but you just don't know how or or even why I should even forgive, right? Why, why let them off the hook somehow or another that Um, By doing so, I say it's okay. And it could be more from the opposite. Uh, They don't deserve it. I get it. But you do. And so 
what we're offering up is an opportunity, say, is to, to start on this path, this path to forgiveness. He was saying, is enough is enough? And I want to work my way. And I maybe I don't fully understand this whole Jesus thing as of yet. But I can absolutely assure you that if you want to reach the highest level of that incredible freedom, that remission is it, if you want to be totally free, remission is where to be. It's simply put. Uh, so why do I follow Jesus? Uh, and why do I appeal others in order to have this freedom? is it's worth it. And if you're thinking and you're ruminating about the other person, it's perfectly natural, but you're not, not, not letting him off the hook. It's just a matter of the judgment. Look, um, Matthew 18, right? And I love to give a, if, if that were to happen today, I just want to give you a newer version that Jesus and Peter are driving down the road. Peter's driving, and Alexis cut him off not once, not twice, not three times, seven times. So first of all, let's give Peter a little throw of a bone here. If somebody cut you off seven times, would you say, I'm, free, I'm still forgiving? He turns to Jesus and said, hey, how about that? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now think about it for a second. If you're holding on to that grudge, they're long gone. You show up at work angry and full of bitterness, right? Still angry about that person to cut you off. And you're looking for that judgment and that justice. And you're the ones that are hurting at it. Or you can say, I forgive them. I'm going to let this go. And I show up at work happy and healthy. Mm. What a difference does that make in your life? Yeah. It's may think that you're letting it off of the hook. You're not. So forgiveness is an amazing power for you if you're willing to take it. Mm. So I have, uh, Peter, I have a, I have a potential curveball question here. Is that all right? Hey, all right. If, I, the, I, if the communications director is going to throw a curveball, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of his way. So no, I, I know I Peter. Well, I know Peter was moving it, and I, you know, I want to res respect the time of everyone here. But I, I just as I was listening to. Um, so the scripture verse, uh, you know, the, the, thank you for making it a more um, modern example of Peter being cut off and mm -hmm. seven times seven. I think it's great. Um, but so how do you when you're dealing with people who are who are trying to um, have accepted that they want to find freedom um, and if they're looking at, a, you know, how can Jesus help with that? How can the Bible help with that? How can church help with that? Um how do you help those people reconcile? Like, so you've got, you've got the, you've got the verse you just talked about forgiving 70, 70 times, seven times. Um, just, you know, it's important to forgive, you know, Jesus says, you know, he wants us to, to love others as he has loved us. And he forgave us a lot. What do you do with some of the Psalms where David is talking about justice and talking about wanting judgment on people for doing some bad things. What, you know, I'm just throwing it out as a curveball question. I'm sure I love someone it. might have in their head as they're listening to this episode. I'm all about this curveball. Let's go. Oh, I love, I, I love it. Look, the Lord is, and we, not just the Lord, we should still be conscious of there should, and there is justice and judgment. And how do you balance judge justice and judgment versus mercy and forgiveness? 
and how do they coexist? If uh, a great opportunity is the song from Matthew West, Forgiveness. You get a chance, Google on YouTube, or go to YouTube, rather, the backstory of it, where the woman, her daughter was killed by a DUI driver and was sent for 22 years in jail. And she went on a search for years about speaking at groups about the dangers of driving and never could find that peace. So she finally visited him in jail and came to forgive him. One by one, they brought different family members. He's out of jail now, and they actually are in speaking to her together about the dangers of DUI driving and the power of forgiveness. She speaks of him as a son she never had. Now, how does that make sense, and what is that for? There's still justice and judgment, whether it be the Lord taking care of the justice or judgment, or that the judge down at the court does it. As long as we hang in there and want to be the judge and the justice, and there's times that it's it got to be wise. Look, if your daughter is hanging off the edge of a cliff, it's probably good to judge her that she's doing the wrong thing. I'm not saying that she doesn't exist, but when you're trying to get back at somebody that they did wrong and you're trying to be the judge, even Jesus said, I came to the world not to judge it, but to save it. Mm. So if I'm trying to be the judge, am I better than Jesus? So as soon as that trigger goes off, I call it a red flag uh, uh, process, that when you see yourself going through judging and judging somebody else, or I'm trying to hold on to that judgment because I need to make sure that they pay, red flag should go off. And if you think about it, Often we have a people that are angry. This, what happens? They go through anger management, all sorts of other, and trying to deal with my anger. Think about what happened just before that anger was judgment. When that person cussed me off, I judged them for doing the wrong thing, and then I got angry at them. Hmm. So, yes, God is very much a God of judgment and justice, as he should be. As a parent, you should be. However... Just keep in mind, who's the judge? It's not me. It ain't me. No. Peter, I don't think I threw him off with my curveball. <laughs> I, I might have to work on that a little bit. I, I, I don't know if that's something to work on, but we we love curveballs here. Hey, I love curveballs. Well, I'm going to throw a last curveball because this, this conversation has been rich. So... We're going to try a little new format to our closing uh, question. We usually ask, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? So I think instead of that, we're going to try final remarks. So Aaron and I are going to give some final remarks. And then, Mark, whatever we mess up, you can close the deal. How does that sound? Deal. All right. You want to go first? Sure, sure. Um, Then you can correct me too if I, if I, you know, don't do your final remarks the right way. So it's all good. There you go. Yeah. Um, Peter and I have a good tag team here. I don't know. We, I, I I like doing podcasts up here. (laughs) So uh, yeah, no, I think this is a great conversation. Um, Thank you so much, uh, Mark, for sharing with us today, and and um, not only sharing your story, but also sharing some more about uh, forgiveness and. I I um I think that there's some some valuable nuggets in there to I think to process over and um I definitely think this is an important conversation because there's so many 
there's so many either wounds or um, perceived slights that I mean, there there's all sorts of things that are out there that have hurt people. Um, and it may not be uh, what some would consider huge, but in the person's mind, it is huge. And in their spirit, it's huge. And um, everyone's got something. And I think that that's, uh, I, I loved how you focused it back on freedom. And like you said, I think that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be free. Um, and he wants us to flourish and be um, all that he created us to be. And, and I just, um, yeah, I hope that this podcast, this episode is useful for um, for us, us three, and then anyone who's listening here is, you know, it is encouraging to know that Jesus really does want us to be free and we can pursue that. So Peter, I'm going to throw it over to you. Yeah. You know, so we're in this series, why do I still want to follow Jesus? And, um, you know, as a pastor, I, I have the sacred opportunity to talk with people with church hurt and I'll never forget uh, my pastor, we had went through a nasty church split. His name was Bill Kirk. And he used to say this unforgiveness is the poison we drink while we wait for the other person to die. Uh, resentment is allowing someone to live rent free in your mind. And, you know, I just challenge those of you out there that don't follow Jesus. And, you know, you're wondering how can someone that's been through something so horrific as Mark, you know, follow Jesus. And I, I think the alternative is, you know, letting unforgiveness fester, letting resentment fester. And, you know, I, I think what um, my final remark is, is the freedom that you experience. I, I mean, imagine waking up every single day, you know, kind of rehearsing the conversation you wish you could have or rehearsing the justice you wish you could have. It's, it's never as sweet and as wonderful as we think it is. And, uh, it just, I'm going to go with an office quote, but you know, I just, I think of the time that Andy Bernard is trying to get his boss fired and like even a show that is not about Christianity is kind of talking about that. And so if you can land at the place that unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness isn't good for you, um, you know, can you land at the place that the central message of Jesus is forgiveness, that you'd experience forgiveness from God and for forgiveness towards others? Um, I think that that's a pretty powerful thing to keep you following Jesus or at least answering the question why someone does. Mark, go ahead and clean it up. Oh, you get, you guys nailed it, and I love it. Um, and I would appeal to move from, especially for believers, that I'm doing it because I'm supposed to, to the point where I want to. Mm. So I, I want to just leave you with First Peter three nine, and it says, "Repay evil with evil." Oh wait, it doesn't say that. It says, "Do not repay evil with evil." or insult with insult on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this, you were called that you may inherit a blessing. It's not like a blessing. One day God is that blessing. My friends is freedom. And I get to experience that blessing each and every day. And I hope and pray that you get to do the same. Mm. Mark, where can people find you? Where's the best place for them to connect with you? That 70 times seven. So that's seven zero X seven.org. 
I'm not trying to push a book. I'm pushing a mission. So please, this winter, forgiving a good man, pick up the book because I go into great detail in the story. I leave nothing behind. Uh, it's not my story. It's my forgiveness journey and a lot of good nuggets at the very end of the book to turn it to you, how you can experience that freedom yourself. Maybe in a couple of years, you'll get to see the movie. But for right now, it's 70times7.org. We give a lot of uh, content. Coming at the first of the year, we'll have a complete platform, a community where we go into details. Do you remember when I said everybody's path is individual? We're building all those paths. So after you go through an assessment, look, Peter may go down past seven and Aaron's got to go pad down past 16. So based on those items, we're actually holding their hands and taking down each. It's a big, big project. So that's why I say forgiveness movement. So mm. all you can do in the meanwhile, think about this, pray about this and say, is enough enough? Let's start there. If we can be of help at 70 times seven, we're there for you. Love it. And if you're looking for us, you can go to whygotwhypodcast.com, click the subscribe button. We'll be uh, sending you this episode to your email uh, directly and then other episodes like it. Thank you so much for joining us. 